Hi everyone, uh, welcome on Club Bantam Rant. My name is T.Y. You're on to the football podcast that brings all of the happening gist and trending stories, especially uh, the ones that concern our community. Thank you for making time to hang with me again uh, on this episode. Uh, let's ride. Uh, so uh, for Manchester United supporters, I-, I imagine that by the end of this game, uh, you will not have been as happy as you had thought you would be. You know, but let us take the positives. One, we left Kenwell Road tonight with three very big important points in a ground that is really difficult to because before you allow these guys start to gaslight you and make you feel like it's just a win against Luton, ask them, you know, with how many goals margin where their own team win these very guys. You know, so when they start to do MMMMM, you're going to say, ah, okay, yeah, no be really easy ground to just go and get a win. Uh, if you follow the way where their season don't be, uh, they started the season really poor. And after like, you know, four, five, six, seven games, it was evident that there was no escaping relegation, you know, this season. But somehow they won a game, then they won another one, and then they won the third, and then they started to pick momentum. And all of a sudden, Luton Town became a worthy opponent. You know, Morris is getting goals from here, left and right, Adebayo, and you know, Barkley is turning out to be a revelation signing, just to mention, but a few. So this was not a ground, you know, that we're expecting to just go and run over. No denying, I feel like we're going, we're going to score a lot more goals. You know, if you consider the teams that we've played recently and how we've managed to score, you know, a lot of goals against these guys, you would feel like because Luton are a kind of team that come out to play. They know they pack the bus. And it's easy for you to try and want to implement your playing style against, you know, teams that are actually daring. So I feel like we're going to score a lot more goals. And you saw how the game started now. Seven minutes into the game, they already gift us two goals, two terrible mistakes that I am very grateful for. Uh, Rasmus Hoyland got on to the end of um, a back pass by one of their guys, uh, Bell, and then he went on to score the first goal. You know, And just when they tried to find their footing, we got the second one again by... Uh, well, it's not really a mistake, but a deflection. It can actually deflection that... Uh, Rasmus Hurling literally just chested into an empty net. And it's one thing for you to go ahead in that manner. You know, but the problem be say, why you got why you now go ahead and score two goals like that and you now allow these guys to get back into the game? From the point on where we scored the goal, you know, in fact, from that point on until you know Morris grabbed one, it was See, it still felt like it was just going to be their own 15 minutes of fame, you know. But the moment they scored that goal, guys, I'm telling you, from that point on on to the final whistle, I was on the edge of my seat. And uh, it's just a problem that keeps repeating itself. Uh, the midfield of uh, Casamiro, Kobe Maino, and Bruno Fernandes that we have complimented so much in the past, you know, uh, I, I felt like that double pivot where Casemiro and Kobe Mino they play now is supposed to allow for Kobe to be slightly in front, you know, of Casemiro. Make Casemiro be behind, do more of the defensive work, so that, you know, because that position where Casemiro they force himself now and go there in front of Mino, you are not fast. You know, I, I say this respectfully. Not, we cannot disrespect Kase and deny everything he has done in the beautiful game, but 
the fact remains that players grow old, you know, and lose their explosiveness. Uh, players grow old and lose their speed, uh, lose some of all these qualities that made them, you know, who they were in the past. You get me? So, Casemiro actually has to have an introspection, you know, and reflect on this season especially and, and, and ask himself if he really should be starting and finishing games. You know, because today, there was no reason, just like many other times in the past, there, there, there was no reason for him to be slight, tackling at every given chance. You know, and like I have said a number of times, try not to sound like a broken record, but it is hard to ignore these things because they are evident for even the blind to see. You know, Kase. Uh, seemed to have just one card left on his arsenal. I mean, every little thing he's slide tackling. And now, eh, a lot of all these wingers and these midfielders, they are starting to find him out. So it's easy to anticipate and expect what he's going to do. And it is affecting the game, you know, in the sense that, okay, look at today, for instance. The only reason why Casemiro did not get a red card in that first half, you know, was just because that referee was just merciful. You know, the referee just pity him. Now, out of pity, I was texting my homeboy during the game and I was like, bro, you know, see this castle stuff, you know, not just pity the pity him. And funny enough, they are not even fouls that you say were dangerous. They're just clumsy and unnecessary. You know, and these things keep happening over and over and over. Now, the coach don't come. He don't set up in a way where he won't play. You know, a way where he anticipates these um, opponents to respond. He has set up the way he wants. And you are forcing him to make a change at halftime because you are already on a yellow card and you don't seem like you have realized it. And so, he must have thought, Omar, do I want to risk it? Imagine going down in that kind of game. Already said the 10 man where we play each other. Yeah, those guys were really, really unlucky not to have left that place with at least a point. You know, so, but in spite of this, now, assume, say, on top of all of this one now, we can't get a red card. Because let me just juggle your memories a little bit, guys. All of the games where we lose very early into the season, eh? The ones, in Gal the, the ones in the Champions League against Galatasaray, uh, Copenhagen. If you remember correctly, the game changed for us the moment we get a red card. There are some teams that know how to manage themselves with you know, a man down. There are some teams that, are, that cannot. Manchester United are one of those teams that cannot. So we're really lucky not to have got that card in the first half. But still, for how long are we going to be escaping things like this? Because... Since he came back from injuries, I tell you, and if you've been watching the games closely, you would agree with me. There's not, there's not been a game that he's not been doing these kind of things. Getting yellow cards back to back to back to back. And you know how the Premier League is once you build a reputation. It's, it just sticks. And it's really, really difficult to um, you know, try and correct that impression. So that's something that I'm hoping that moving into the next couple of games, especially with the ones we have lined up, we have really tricky fixtures, you know, against Fulham, a team that plays with grit. Uh, they, they normally say Fulham get bone to pick with us. So whenever they play us, it's like a cup final. And then afterwards, we have the game uh, against Manchester City. So uh, this next couple of games now, I'm really, really hoping to see what the coach go on do because... 
I just hope that Casemiro can actually find his balance because if he doesn't, he's going to force that man to start to start uh, McTominay. And McTominay, we have already established that it is best for him to come on, you know, 60 minutes, 70 minutes, when the players that started are already out of energy. You know, that's when he comes with a fresh rush and he's able to bust into midfield, make runs and all those kind of plays that has helped him to earn, you know, uh, the role of uh, the super sub in the Premier League this season. Now, when I won't come make McTominay, I'm making the start matches. And you and I know that he cannot start matches. He cannot hold and coordinate play in that midfield. Waiting, you go to see. Now, say every minute you see him running into the box, and then Kobe Meno will be left in that. No, now. Tokase really, really, really needs to find his, his. He needs to find his balance really, really soon. Uh, we need him to do that as uh, fast as possible. And then um, something else that I didn't really like in this game was the overall play of Bruno Fernandes. And now, before you, before you start to wonder, ah, uh -uh, Bruno, let me tell you what my frustration with Bruno Fernandes exactly is. When you see all of the conversations, the ones that talk about uh, the best midfielders, you know, the ones that create the most chances, the one that makes creates the most big chances for teammates, uh, the this, the that, the this, the that, you find one thing in common. Bruno Fernandez's name is always in this kind of conversations. You're talking about the best midfielders. You're speaking about, you know, the Kevin De Bruyne's, uh, the Odegaard's, the Madisons, and Bruno Fernandez. Are, are, Bruno Fernandez is usually in these conversations, if not even on the top of this list, most times. But over and over and over, he has failed to play the role that all of these guys that I have mentioned play for them for the teams. Look at the game the other day. You saw how Arsenal started against Burnley. We're going to come back and touch on that ball. Just to buttress on my point, eh, four minutes into the game, Martinelli found Bruno Fen I beg your pardon, Martinelli found Odegaard. And you saw how he took that chance just from the edge of outside the box. My, my point is, Bruno has all the qualities. You cannot even try to want to downplay his abilities. No, you cannot do that. He is obviously as good as you can get. But why does he fail to play that role that Odegaard and the rest of all of these very good midfielders play for their teams? He had several chances to killed that game even before the late one that Ganacho got. Last week it was the same thing. The same chance that um, in the exact same fashion when um, Harvard rolled the ball to uh, Odegaard the other weekend before this last game and that he shot and scored the game against West Ham. Bruno Fernandes got the exact same kind of ball in our own game, the, the, um, the, the game that followed. Got the exact same chance. Dalo rolled the ball to him like that, just on the edge of the box, and he shot wide. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Even when we are winning games and controlling games, you, he, he just, 
really, I, I don't have the words to, 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 to explain it, but I just feel like he's not, he's not doing as much as he can do. I don't know if there's something going on, uh, if there's something bothering him, or maybe he's, you know, some of these players sometimes, they don't come out and say, but they might be struggling with something. You know, I hope it's not the case, but uh, we feel like there's more that Bruno Fernandes can do, you know, that he is not doing. And it's something that I also did not like in uh, this game. Um, another thing that I want to complain about is Ganacho. And once again, I, I, I imagine you feel like, Ganacho, what has he done? I'll, I'll tell you what he has done or what he is doing. I like the fact that we are encouraging our young players to want to be confident, you know. I like the fact that we're encouraging them to kick the ball, you know, attempt to take shots on goal and all that. But I need these guys to also realize that passing the ball, getting assists, creating chances are also part of the beautiful game of football. Ganacho, you know the pass ball. You know the pass ball, especially once he manages to dribble his man and enters that box. All he wants to do is shoot. And like I said, I don't have a problem. But I feel like, especially for a team like Manchester United with, you know, a, um, a vast majority of really young players who necessarily don't have as much experience as you would prefer them to have. We need to start playing our, our, our football game like the basketballers do. Yes, you know, you're going to the game and you're telling this guy that, hey, you, in the course of this game, except otherwise there's a very big chance you're not taking more than five shots. You, you're not taking more than six shots. You, you're not taking more than seven shots. Because I don't understand what they make uh, Ganacho feel like, say, you know, if he make run, square ball. There was an instance in the second half where he had done all of the dirty work. I expected this brother to just square the ball for uh, McTominay to tap in into pretty much an empty net. And what did he do? He tried to squeeze it. No, now. Guy, you need to be passing the ball. You need to be passing the ball. It's just sad that the senior players in the team who should be, you know, talking to these players and leading by examples are not doing that. Because take for instance now, you the captain Bruno. Even as you go to tell Ganacho, say, hey guy, you, 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 for your real man, you go to know, say, oh, but now this very guy self just did, now this guy this day, now this guy they survive us this period, now this guy they give us the result this period. So what's in, what are you even going to tell him? So you need to step up and start leading by example, man. I mean, see how Arsenal be. Asaka, they score. Odegaard, they assist. Trossard, they assist. Trossard, self, they score. Martinelli, they score. The attackers complement each other. So even a game where maybe uh, Saka go, go get a very difficult game and he cannot score, you can expect that Harvard can, can, can you know, pull up a goal. But it's not be the case with Man United. Now, where Rasmus is on the hot, everybody else don't go. The only person who is attempting to compliment him to an extent is Ganacho. It's not good enough. Rashford, I cannot call you out because there's something you've been doing in the last couple of games that is very commendable. 
uh, something where you need to do before. So seeing you do it now, it is really, really commendable because so many times it is very useful. Before you feel lost, guys, I'm talking about that part of Rashford's game where he don't de a lot more defensive-minded now. Before you go see Rashford, especially when he's expecting a pass for a counter and you either lose that pass, which sadly happens very often. Before, you could just see him just reluctantly start to stroll back. Uh, which you cannot even, can you even blame him? Can you blame him always? Can you blame him always? Because see, like, I counted at least two, three instances in this game where he had made the run and expected the pass. You know where, of course, you know how he is on that, on that wing. Ganacho will try and make a pass and then lose, loses possession, gets a turnover. Two, three times. So it's frustrating for him, but in spite of this, I like, I, I like the fact that, you know, he manages to shake it off and runs back. And like I said, more often than not, those he's running back have proven to be very vital. So uh, that is one part of his game that I am really glad about. But I still hope, you know, especially with the next run of games that are coming, that our big players would step up. You know, Bruno Fernandes needs to step up and start scoring goals. He's not scored a goal since November, if I'm correct. And that's a really long time, you know, for a player that seems to create so many big chances. Same goes to Rashford. He needs to start scoring goals too. And then the, the um, senior players in the team who also f um, who are fielded in different roles, like Casemiro in the DM and Varane in uh, uh, defense, even Maguire that has been you know a bit stable lately. In today's game, he was somewhat dwindling. All of all those things are, are, are stuff that you know we're hoping that um, in the next run of games we can effect correction. Uh, but overall, uh, on the bright side of things, we took away three points from such a difficult ground and were five wins on the spin. The last time Manchester United won five games in a row was a really, really long time. Yeah, so uh, some of the feats that uh, we can be happy about for all this weekend. Um, guys, something else that I wanted to bring to your attention. Uh, you are aware already by now that, yes, we've had a new owner, right? Yeah, uh, Sajim Radcliffe, for uh, the benefit of those that may not have been aware. Uh, we've had a new owner for a while now. His name is Sajim Radcliffe. Uh, he's, a, he's a British businessman, and uh, he's been in the game for a while. So he took over 20% ownership of Manchester United, and that um, percentage of ownership allowed him total control of all footballing matters. Uh, if you also remember correctly, prior to uh, his acquisition of the club, we were rumored to uh, expect yeah, Qatari owners. And because these guys are stupendously wealthy and spend so much in clubs, everybody or pretty much majority of the fans were hoping that we're going to have Qatari owners. And uh, fast forward to a couple of months after so much brouhaha, uh, Sajim Radcliffe eventually uh, got uh, the 25% ownership that allowed him um, a majority stake in the club. And the initial response was somewhat low-spirited. I'm not going to lie, myself included, I was like, damn, I, I, 
at this point anything just really goes you know because of especially the propaganda that we were exposed to all of the news media were presenting him as you know a meat businessman that is not really really but guys in the last couple of weeks following the acquisition of the club you know uh, the next phase of administrative moves was to hire a ceo and uh, like we announced in the previous episode we uh we confirmed the um signing i don't want to say signing but yeah we confirmed you know the bringing on board of uh the former ceo of manchester city in the person of mr omar barada so my united snatched man city ceo which is a really really good power move if you know what i'm saying and since then there's been several other rumor gist and moves that are happening these things happen so fast a lot of times so sometimes you see stuff that seem like they are already completed but it just falls through and that is why we've made it a habit over time to only bring this gist when they are either confirmed or at least very close to confirming from sources that are reliable and so uh is the reason why we've not been talking about it on every episode but just to give you a brief you know what to expect my united are also in the running to sign one of the big guys that control newcastle city uh is really from what i've read and what have you know been able to research about him he seemed like a guy that knows his onions and everybody seemed to be excited about it and he also wants to come which is a green flag uh we've also been in contention for several other several other backroom staffs you know and all of these things that are happening the first thing i ask myself when i see these rumors is that come oh, wait does it you mean say man you be no get all of these things and you now see that we were really in the ghetto all of the structures that make a football institution work were missing in the club and you wonder why we've been the way we've been in the last decade so it's really just commendable so much is happening behind the scenes and we assure you like i've said already that once these things are confirmed i'll bring them to your uh, to your notice you know but uh, until then uh, moving on to other big games for uh, this weekend arsenal arsenal the warrior last weekend they won what six yeah against west ham this one the blue five on reply past burnley guys you know, uh, I just want to quickly say big congratulations to all Arsenal supporters out there. You guys are having a wonderful, wonderful time. Uh, your players are scoring freely and you're winning games for fun. You know, and especially with the small hitch that they had along the lines of the season. You know, that point when we started, we started to feel like, oh, uh, the butlers are here again. They've managed to pick momentum and they are winning games beautifully. Look, you cannot even deny it. You cannot take anything away from these guys. These guys play amazing football. Like for a hitter, you don't you don't know what I'm going through. You have no idea how I feel when these guys play and get results the way that they do. But kudos to you guys big congratulations the battle is actually for uh, the one who can keep his head cool uh, through 38 games is a really really intriguing uh race title race this season compared to uh, the last couple of seasons where we've had one two man horses this one now it feels like there's three four 
even five because who says we're not in the title race now guys come on i mean it's just so many points away from first you know who knows uh, we've gone to win five games in a row we win the next five who knows where we're going to be but <laughs> but seriously now uh the title this the title for uh, this season is looking like you know a three uh, man horse race and it just makes it even more interesting because initially uh i felt like arsenal were going to win the league and several times already i've given my reasons why i feel that way uh it was disappointing to see them you know lost some kind of games and lost some kind of points in really really funny manner but like i said they seem to be playing really really good football back again and they are scoring goals for fun i wonder what will happen to uh, trossard when gabriel jesus finally comes back from uh, injury Especially with the, when you consider how good and how involved Trossard has been in the goals and assists. But yeah, whatever happens in the course of Arsenal season, you can be sure that I'll be here to walk you through all of them uh, as it happens. Also, uh, another big game for others weekend, Chelsea. Chelsea, yeah, very, very funny team. Very inconsistent. I was watching the pregame presser. And uh, the guys at the studio were, you know, just talking like they usually do. And they were like, what kind of, one asked the other person, what kind of, what Chelsea rather do you think will be seen here today? And the response was that even Pochettino doesn't know the kind of Chelsea that he's expecting to see to, uh, or that day in that game. You know, Chelsea are just so inconsistent. You see them come away to a team like Manchester City, you know, and ball them out. Guy, I mean, they ball City out. As in, ball City out. Everybody was just on point from Gusto, you know, to even Jackson that has received several backlash this season. You know, even Enzo Fernandez, uh, even Cole Palmer. I saw him tracking back a lot of times. You know, so they were just really, really good. They set up well. Uh, in possession and out of possession, Chelsea really set up well. Uh, you know, City struggled greatly. And it was telling in the fact that, you know, they got so many chances on target, but because they were not really big chances, you know, they managed to get only one goal eventually by a Rodri late on into that game. And from that point on, it felt like City were going to be able to grab a winner. But at full time, score uh, was 1-1. And, you know, that means that this season, the two times that City and Chelsea have met, we've not managed to find a winner. You know, the other time it was 4-4, the Premier League game that we tip to be an all-time classic. And then this weekend, we saw them through 1-1 again. Now, this draw uh, means that City sits joint second, yeah? I beg your pardon, City sits third on the standings behind Liverpool and Arsenal, respectfully. Uh, guys, for uh, the first time in as long as I can remember... We're going to be talking about the Bundesliga. Uh, the Bundesliga is, of course, the German Football League. Yeah. Uh, I want to tell you now one small story about this young man. Uh, this young man, there's the certain, a certain young man where don't try for a career. Um, he's a striker. Uh, in the course of his career, he has scored so many goals. In fact, as I speak to you, he is literally an English scoring legend uh, because of what he has done in a beautiful game of football in terms of the goals he has scored, the number and the calibers of goals he has scored. 
But uh, this young man, sadly, whenever his name comes up in conversations like a war class, you know, there are usually arguments as to whether he is truly a world class or not. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm speaking about none other than the most unlucky, the most unfortunate, <laughs> the most anything where if you think of a player in the history of football. Guys, I'm speaking about a hurricane. Now, this young man who has played so many, many, many years uh, in English football felt like he finally, you know, needs some uh, accolades. He finally needs to win some trophies for himself. And then what does he do? He starts, he tells his agent to start to look for clubs, you know, that he can sign for and uh, win stuff. Now, if you're a football fan, you know already, say, me, you, and three others, if we sign for Bayern Munich, Eh? We can still win the league for Bayern Munich because Bayern are a team that are, are already as good as they can be in every sense of the word. Bayern already have the reputation. I mean, just imagine now a team that has won one, two, three, four, five, ten, eleven league in a row. I know put water for my mouth though. Let me repeat myself again for benefit of those when you know hear me correctly. Bayern Munich have won the last 11 Bundesliga in a row. Now, this young man looks at an atlas. In fact, I see a scenario where they don't bring the map of the world to Ram. And they're like, Mr. Kane, you know, this is the map of the world. On this area is uh, Germany. On this area is Sweden. And all that, and all that, and all that. This guy literally went to the club where he was sure and he was certain that there was practically no way that he was not going to finish the season with trophies. If you remember correctly, when Kane signed, eventually, by the time they were done with uh, the paperwork and the work permit and stuff, it was a cup final. I think it was DFB Pokal or something. Kane had pretty much not trained with the team. I mean, he had. I, I know he had just played for Tottenham the um, a couple of days before, but he had not trained, or I think had not had at least two full trainings for Bayern Munich. But he still came on in that game with the hope that they can win the cup, and he will celebrate a cup win on his debut. Sadly, they lost that game. That was just one out of many frustration coming for this young man this season. In the last couple of months, they managed to be eliminated from the DFB Pokal and two other domestic cups that Bayern usually competes in. Now, they were left with only the Bundesliga for a chance for Kane to win the trophy in Bayern Munich this season. And only this weekend, they've just gone on to lose again to Bochum. This brings them to three losses in a row for the first time for as long as I can remember in Bayern Munich's history. It is just really, really, really sad. And it is sad, of course, for all those who sympathize with Kane. But for us, who are laughing at him, for us who are happy that he's going through what he's going through because he turned us down in the hope that he was going to have it easy, my guy, the grass is in greener on the other side. <laughs> 
the grass is not as green as you thought it was, my man. So now, you don't carry your bad luck. You don't carry your bottling. Go buy Munich, a team that could have won it with my grandmother as their center forward. Now, they are out of all competitions and not really out of all competition, but as I speak to you, they lost the first home, uh, they, they lost the first leg game in the Champions League against Lazio. Whatever they were going to do in the return leg, I don't know, but they are also out of the DFB Pokal and several other domestic leagues that Bayern Munich normally compete in. Now, the last one where they've been getting hope for, they don't go lose today against Bochum, and now this loss puts them eight points behind high flying Leverkusen. I know the season never ends, but if you judge based on how both teams have been this season, I don't see how it is possible for Bayern Leverkusen not to go ahead and win the cup, especially when you consider that as at their last win, they have also equaled Bayern Munich record for the most games in all competition without a loss. If they don't lose in their next game, they will currently be the German team in all of football history to have gone the most games without a loss. Now, tell me how you think a team like that will not go ahead and win the league this season. So, Kane, my brother, I don't know where you go go next. Make I think, make I think, which club where can he go next now when go dish or single win trophy? You know, one of my really close friends, I see him tweeting every time and saying, Kane should come to Barcelona. I'm like, guy, you hate this guy. I mean, I, I, I feel saying I mean, you don't like him, but he'd be like saying you don't like him past me because how can you be wanting Kane to come to a failing institution? You mean, I mean, he cannot do it in, in an institution that is working and you want him to come to a failing institution. And then secondly, how do you even intend on buying Kane? Barcelona fans are really delusional. <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry if it sounds offensive, but respectfully, you guys are delulu because I don't know where you won't carry money. You get people need to subscribe to, Spot to Spotify a lot like that again. I don't know where I won't carry money to buy a hurricane for, uh, but notwithstanding, uh, the gist be say hurricane really, really the unfortunate and unlucky because it's looking like it's going to be a, a seasonless season. I beg your pardon, it's looking like it's going to be a trophyless season for Bayern Munich for the first time, God knows, since forever. You know, but uh, whatever happens in lines of uh, this gist, of course, I'll be bringing you all of the hot gist as it unfolds. Uh, guys, don't forget to follow all our socials so you can uh, stay in touch with all of our visual content. On Instagram, it's clapbands rant and on tiktok it's cbr with ty also ensure that in your busy schedule you please make time to uh exercise uh this is also to announce that uh we're going to be bringing you a special uh, episode it's called football or uh, it's called true love story uh, football edition and we're running it out later this month it's the month of love so what better time is there to tell us uh, when you felt like you finally fell in love with your club, when it happened, where it happened, if you do remember. So we're going to be um, we're bringing you a show. It's going to be packed full with guests. Uh, and we're going to be talking about all of those things. Uh, we'll speak about how uh, young people find love in football. Uh, we'll speak about when and where you start to feel like, yes, this club. 
Adondi Lover. We're also going to talk about the trend, you know, of uh, dropping football clubs and supporting another. You know, how do you feel about it? Because a lot of people say, you know, you're not supposed to any club I don't love. You don't love them. Anyone you don't love them. I say, hey, not cult. So, you know, we're going to be having guests. And uh, we're going to be speaking about all of those things. So uh, look out for that. Once again, it is... Uh, uh, it's been a crazy run of games. Wow. From the time when it felt like we were an unsavable ship sinking faster than the Titanic. Fast forward to this moment when we've gone on to win five games in a row. That's 15 solid points on the spin. And all of a sudden, it's looking like anything is possible. Guys, thank you so much for hanging with me. I'll catch you again next time. <laughs>